With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to a Media Matters special for Anfield Index. There is literally people just over a week to go in the transfer window. The season is well underway now, isn't it? We've just had Bournemouth. We've got Newcastle coming up. And I'm delighted to say I've managed to get one of the best in the business with us again. So the renowned, the respected Neil Jones. Neil, how are we? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very good. And fingers crossed, we'll see if you make me feel even better when you tell us about the transfer news. But something tells me it might not be too much, but we'll have to see. So, ladies and gents, we'll we'll do the normals. We will run through transfers. I know some of you are thinking, you know, let's get to that. But we do want to talk about... Bournemouth, the result last weekend. We want to talk about the Newcastle game coming up and a few other things that are on the horizon for the Reds as well. So I did want to start with with Bournemouth, Neil, because it was a heck of the game. I know we were both there at Anfield. I mean, just bizarre moments almost. There was never real a, a feel of, I suppose, real ease, so to speak, from the first minute. But Liverpool get a 3-1 win with Diaz, Salah and Jota, all the forwards on the score sheet. Man of the match, the Bosley. So, so there is positives there, no doubt about it. But a, a mixed bag, I think, uh, a lot of us felt. How would you kind of rate or sum up that performance? Yeah, um, a mixed bag, yeah, definitely. I mean, the first 10 minutes was dreadful, wasn't it? It was a, a real a real alarm and start to the game. And <laughs> the good thing from it, I think if you want to take positives from the game besides individual performances, was that so many times last season you saw a, a bad start turn into a bad first half and a bad game. And Liverpool, yeah. you know, showed a lot more ability to ride out adversity. You know, they, they did it in two big moments, really, in the game. They did it in the first 10 minutes of the game after a, a, a really, really sloppy and, and lethargic start. 
and then they did it when they they went down to ten men on on you know unfortunately unfairly early in the second half when the game was still alive and th- their reaction to that I thought was really good and I thought the reaction to the first ten minutes as well was really good you know bit bit of a tactical change and a little bit of a sort of a step up from a few players and they they showed a little bit more metal than they they had for a lot of last season so I think there was. Um, Plenty to like about it, you know, if you take the start out and you take maybe the last five minutes out. But um still not one that's gonna keep the wolves from the door if you like. If you if you're looking for sort of signs that Liverpool are right back at their best, they weren't they weren't quite there yet. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. A, a professional result maybe in the end, despite Paul Tierney's best efforts. But yeah, three three one it is and I did want to sort of explore further sort of the, the points that you made there because it, it probably won't keep the walls from the door, as you said. And one thing, and I know you, you've, you've talked about this before, it is a hot topic. It's almost a, a Trent conundrum at the moment, the way the side sets up, the way it's happening. I mean, he, he couldn't really have had a worse start, could he, on, a, on the weekend? I mean, fortunately, that, that first one was ruled out for offside and you thought that would be the wake-up call, but apparently not before... You know, they, they rifle one in and there really is a, a sort of mixed feeling, isn't there, amongst many people that, you know, does the role suit the team, so to speak, and as opposed to him trying to shoehorn him, the sort of the in-between the the defender, the midfield role. I mean, I know you, you've said it before. Are you still along the lines of we need to make him, he's either a right back or a midfielder pick? Do you still see it that way? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, within reason. Obviously, there are games where it's it, it might be crying out for that kind of experiment. But my, it's strange. Listen, I bear with me on this one because I'm going to go into a bit of a weird segue. But I remember years and years ago, Jamie Carragher doing a, a, a sort of analysis of David Luiz when he played for Chelsea, and he said, "I don't know whether I'm just wrong in terms of the way I watch football now. You know, because I see a centre back and and a sort of." What I what I expect a centre back to be, and he's none of them, but he's deemed one of the best in the world. So I, I must be wrong. That you know that was Carragher's point. I sort of feel that like a little bit with Trent. Is that every time I watch Liverpool, and he's in that midfield role, I don't like it. Really, I you know I I look. It just looks uncomfortable for for too many players. Maybe not necessarily Trent, but other players. And I, I look at it and I think I don't know why they're doing it. And then I look at the league table and I look at the, the form table and I look at the results they've had since they've been doing it and they've they haven't lost. You know, they've they've you know done the longest unbeaten run in the Premier League. And a big part of that is down to, you know, improving their defensive solidity, but also scoring more goals and, and becoming more threatening. So I, I don't know if I'm wrong in the way I'm just looking at it, you know, in terms of maybe I'm just a little bit stuck in stuck in my ways about a, a right back and a left back. But I think Saturday was a good example. It was night and day Liverpool when they were playing with an orthodox right back and an orthodox left back to when they were experimenting in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes with, with Trent in this hybrid role. When when they went more traditional, they were a far better team. They were a far more you know, solid side. They were a far more threatening side. They were a far more comfortable team. And I, I personally, you know, I, I don't, quite understand why they do it you know why they, why they why they look to to get him in you know in that in that role because for me it just puts pressure on 
the right side of centre back. It puts pressure on the guy who's in front of Trent, you know, in the in the midfield area. You know, whether it's Saboslai, whether it's been Henderson in the past, it, it detaches him a little bit from Mo Salah. You know, you're sort of your most dangerous attacker. So. I, I just, I don't know, maybe I just see the negatives rather than the positives. I would like to see Trent in there with a right back, you know, as in playing in midfield with a right back behind them to see, you know, yeah. if that's what they want to do, then let's have a look at Trent as a sort of an orthodox midfielder as opposed to this this drifting role. But I, I think there was there was decent evidence there in the Bournemouth game that having him and Robertson as your full-backs you know, it was almost like a sort of a bit of a light bulb moment that Liverpool went back to the. Oh, I remember this? You know, it was really, really good, wasn't it? Really fun when when our fullbacks were really sort of advanced and and taking the game to the opposition and sort of you know leading the the attacking charge. I I I don't sort of I prefer that to what we've seen. Even even if we've had results from that at the back end of last season, at the start of this, I still prefer it when it looks the way it used to look. Which, to be honest, is, yeah, it, it wasn't, to be fair, it wasn't a, a tangent. I think it was, it was bang on. There's almost a, in this formation, there's always that feeling on edge. You always have to rely on, you know, Canate, maybe someone like that for a last ditch thing. And even on Saturday, it did seem quite often, and I mean, in simple terms, and I know people will stress towards the no proper holding midfielder for a large part of the game, but Bournemouth did just waltz through the middle, literally, at times. You know, there, were, there was fortunate moments, so to speak. And then, exactly like you said, people are going to point towards the, that that form table that came up on Sky, that Liverpool would be second, you know, based on recent forms. It's 13 games unbeaten, you know. Since the, the hybrid switch, if you want to call it that, they're averaging about 2.4 points a game. So, yeah, it does seem rather strange. But, hey, I suppose we will say if, if it works... We'll see how that develops as well. And there's a few that you mentioned because it, it did almost seem like a bit detached at times, Sabozlai, the, the way he played. But, I mean, he was man of the match and he was absolutely immense, the, you know, the, the way he played. And almost it's been a good start to the season. I mean, for me, he looks every bit, the, you know, a real quality midfielder in regards to that price tag. Are you... Based on pre-season, there maybe there seems to be a bit of a leaning towards McAllister maybe have performed better. Are you surprised how good he's looked or do you think he just looks made and it was always expected? Um, no, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm surprised. He, was, he is a £60 million player, you know, and with a pedigree, obviously played at a good level, playing the Champions League and the Europa League and, and the you know high level in the Bundesliga. So he's not, you know, he's not an unknown. He's, he's, he's maybe someone who wasn't high on the agenda, you know, for, for many people at the start of the summer. But when he's come in, I mean, I think that the first thing that strikes you about him is he just looks, he looks like he's got that blend of he can play and he can run and he can get stuck yeah. in. You know, he, he, he does both sides of it, doesn't he? You know, he's not a luxury player by any means. He's not He's not someone who just wants to have the ball and, you know, that, that'll do him. He's not. He's not even someone who looks like they sort of, they, they need a little bit of time to get up to a, the, the intensity of 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 this team or this league, he just looks he looks like he can cope with it straight away. And I thought the the best thing about him on Saturday was that he was he was the one who sort of upped his level when it went down when Liverpool went down to ten men, didn't he? I mean, I thought I thought Salah and Diaz's work rate was exceptional as well, but yeah. I thought his sort of chest came out, didn't it? It was almost like okay, right, you need me, do you? Right, here we go. 
you know, I'll I'll step it up. And I think Jürgen Jürgen used a sort of a thing that they almost had to hold him back a little bit because he was so he was still so fresh, you know, and he he was able to to get around the pitch. And they were they were almost telling him, no, no, look, just just preserve your energy a little bit and, and hold the midfield. You know, you don't have to you don't have to do it all. But what an encouraging sign that is that someone's a willing and be capable of of you know of running around the pitch even with ten men for ninety minutes because there were times last season when Liverpool didn't have people you know able to do it for forty five never mind ninety so I think it's a it's a really encouraging start for them I think Anfield's definitely liked the the first look at him and now to build on it you know he, I think there's definitely more to come from I think he can pull the trigger a bit more you know there's there's times where You've been you were encouraging him a little bit both at Chelsea and on Saturday where you think go and put you know put your foot through it and he he looked for another pass which is probably the right decision but I think we'll see a little bit more from him in terms of goal scoring threat as well and you know it all bodes well doesn't it I think him and McAllister have made encouraging starts to their Liverpool career yeah absolutely especially like you said almost when we when we went down to ten men in essence maybe because of a, a needs more but there did seem a better sense of organisation and then like you say almost dropped into the six but even those bits when we were all stood up in the cop that that burst down the right when he just took out two with that acceleration just couldn't quite pick out the the right ball and, and also like you said not that it is too much of a dig or a criticism but an essence of maybe maybe a bit gun shy is he just learning just sort of getting into the team like you said there, there yeah. was bits he wanted to pull the trigger but at the same time when he does Jota taps in the rebound type of thing. So, fingers crossed, that's a lift off in that regard for him as well. But, yeah, very, very impressive signs early door. And speaking, I suppose, of impressive, because there were there was quite a bit to sort of unpack, really, from that game. Was there anyone else you thought really impressed you or maybe didn't get the credit they deserved or thought, yeah, good game, back to levels, anything like that at all? Yeah, definitely. I think Andy Robertson would be one that stood out a lot for me in in the game. And I I had a conversation with so I won't I won't name them. Um, another journalist just sort of afterwards, you know, they do ratings, I do ratings, and I sort of said, "Oh, you star men," you know, and he he listed them. And I said, "Oh, what about Robertson?" He said, oh, "I thought he was bang average." And I thought, "Oh, wow." I said, "I I thought he was I I thought him and Sabosli were the two best players on the pitch." I I I thought he was the one in that bad start that sort of. First got to grips with it and, and first sort of started in, involving the crowd in a positive way in the game. You know, he sort of, he, he took a few runs, he, you know, he, he covered well, he, he got into sort of, you know. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Positions or play passes where you thought that was a you know that was the right the right sort of move and he was very close to producing one of the balls of the season for Salah um, in, in, yeah. in the first half. Just just missed just missed his toe. But yeah, I thought Robertson obviously benefited from I think that bit that more orthodox 
defensive system, you know, after the first 10 minutes than, than anyone else, really. He, he was back in a more familiar role and I think it was really positive to see him. You know, he had a, he had a tough start against Chelsea, first 45 minutes. You know, he was, he was put under the gun. But I think the way he finished that game and the way he played on, on Saturday, I think says a lot about his character and, you know, a little bit, I wouldn't say answers as critics. I sort of, I, I put that in a, in a, like a sub, sub deck or a, a headline that I wrote at the weekend. And maybe a little bit unfair that, you know, I don't think he's had a great deal of criticism. You see, or you obviously see social media sometimes and can think, oh, he's under, he's under pressure. But I think it, it was just nice for him to give a reminder of what he can do on, you know, on, on his best day. And he, um, yeah, he's still, he's still a top player, isn't he? He's still one of the best left backs around. And, yeah, he, he definitely proved that on Saturday. I thought he was superb. I thought I thought Van Dijk was pretty good second half as well. I think I actually think quietly he's had a he's had a pretty good start to the season, Van Dijk. You know, I know he I know he was you know, his fingerprints were all were all over or were, were not far off the uh, the opening goal. I think he's entitled to expect Trent to do better with that ball, even if it is maybe a little bit ill advised. But I thought in the second half especially, you know, he he, he he, him and Canate held their the nerve and their defence really well, and I thought they played well at Chelsea as well. So, you know, decent signs from the left side of Liverpool's defence. Yeah, I agree with all that absolutely. Especially like you said that that Robbo that had maybe been uh, fair to say a, few, a question marks from some around the the system switch, but yeah, the the two centre backs are looking good. Fingers crossed with everything we can that they stay fit, so we don't have to yeah, test yeah. anything else. But but yeah, definitely three points on the board and first win of the season. So moving on and say moving on to a, I mean, a, a tough game. There's no two ways about it. Newcastle away. I mean, they they lost to City one 0 at the weekend, but you know, still gave a, a good performance. They looked pretty solid. I mean, they battered Villa. No two ways about it. The the week before, they made quite a lot of moves. You know, even now, fullbacks from each side with Lewis Hall from Chelsea. So. They do look quite strong, and you know you mentioned it. I saw your your sub stack around the the midfield, the the sort of attack that that you've been leaning towards for the weekend. I mean, the the defense picks itself, I suppose, realistically that that back five that we talked about, provided no injuries, you know, and Trent seems to have shaken off that knock back in training, so that's positive. What I suppose what's made you steer towards the the midfield and attacking three that you've picked for this weekend. Yeah, so so I'll better explain that. But the midfield three would be Endo, um, Saboslai, and um, and McAllister. Obviously, McAllister available after that red card was rescinded, which was good news, of course. Yeah, uh, I was surprised. You know, I know you were. Yeah, I, I, I didn't expect you know the the regulatory commission to sort of uh, to uphold Liverpool's appeal, but good on them they have, and I think the right decision as well. But big boost for for this game. I, I would I would have Endo in for the the physical elements of the game. You know, I think Newcastle are obviously one of the most physically commanding teams in the league, and I think they sh- they've shown that. You know, they've got yeah. big lads. Obviously, that they've got three big big defenders with with Dan Byrne playing at left back and the two centre backs. They've got obviously a big goalkeeper as well. Who you know, one of the taller ones in the league. But they've got robust midfielders with with Bruno with with obviously with Tonali, the new guy, and um, with um, with Joe Linton, and then they've got some, either Isaac uh, or or Wilson up front, who you know who are also obviously physically imposing. So I think having that robust player in there who's able to 
So obviously to hold his position and is comfortable with that side of the game with the duels and the, the battles and the, you know, winning the ball and winning headers and defending his penalty area, extra, extra presence at set pieces potentially as well, you know, at that stage, um, I think would be advisable. I think Gakpo struggled obviously and, you know, he's, not necessarily his fault. I mean, he's not played well, but he's also been a bit of a victim of, of the way that the team's been set up. You know, he, I looked, he had 30, I think he's completed 30 passes in, in the yeah. games. You know, it's not, it's, it's 50, you know, 15 passes a game is, is not a great deal of influence. He's, he's not had a shot on target yet. Um, I think his XG is sort of 0.2 for, for, for so far. And speaks really that he's been too far away from goal, doesn't it? Um, so I would have I would have McAllister and Sabosli in there as you know players who can obviously collect the ball in in more advanced areas and play those little b- bounce passes and those one twos and you know more advanced. I think McAllister will benefit from having you know being able to play ten fifteen yards higher. Maybe having someone alongside them who can do a few of the uh, you know the the doggies side to side and win win a few of the battles. Um. And then obviously the forward line was with the other one was obviously I suppose the only question and I saw that someone in, in the comments on on my Substack sort of mentioning Nunes as a you know a wild card off and that possibly but I think the decision is more Gakpo or Jota yeah um and I went with Jota just I think just the way he started the season you know he, he's he's been he was probably probably pretty average against Chelsea he was pretty average at the start of the game against Bournemouth but you, you look at the end and he's had a goal and assist and he's sort of made a difference to the game in in a way that Gakpo hasn't and I think you can't ignore that in a game that's likely to be tight I don't think Liverpool are going to run away with it by any means I don't think they're going to have it easy and you think if you just need it might just be one chance to drop so it might be that one little dart and run or rebound or whatever and I'd want Jota on the field to do it Um, so I went with him but you know, I think don't rule Gakpo out for sure. You know, he played there last season. Nunes played there last season. Actually, I think that was the front three, wasn't it? Gakpo. Yeah. Um, you know, I could I could certainly listen to a case for Gakpo to start to hold the ball up and look after it a bit better than Jota does. But I'd probably just go lean for Jota's sort of threat and uh, yeah, ability to settle tight games. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others, on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, difficult to argue that. And even interestingly for Jota, almost in a strange way, sort of looked better after the the 10 men when he was asked to do that extra work. And yeah, the the goal and uh, the assist, no, the the assist was in the first half. But yeah, yeah, very, very promising in that regard. I mean, one thing that a few people have been asking me to to, check in with you today, and it's understandable. I know you mentioned it, the, the training photos as well. There was no sign of, 
Curtis, Badge, Tiago, quite a few sort of absent from yesterday's training photos. Any any sort of updates or is it just a case that we just have to wait and see and probably Jurgen's press conference time? Yeah, I think I think Bacetic is okay. Um I think he's obviously just being managed. He was on the bench obviously Saturday. Um you know, a bit, bit surprising. I think Jürgen had said he was not quite ready. So I think still a while, I think, before he's starting games, but we should see him sort of drip fed back into the into the fold over the next few weeks. Thiago's a bit unclear. Obviously, he wasn't on the bench. He's been training. But yeah, I think he's another one who's following a very specific pro- programme and probably understandably so, given all the, all the problems he's had. He was there. I saw him on, on Saturday. He came through the mix zone and with his family and, you know, he's still still around the first team. But yeah, I think it's a bit unclear on him. Curtis has got an ankle problem. I don't think we'll see Curtis against Newcastle. Um, he rolled rolled his ankle in training last week, and I think it's uh, yeah a couple of weeks minimum uh, or a couple of games minimum that he's going to miss. Um, with that, obviously, um, you know Diaz was 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 there, wasn't he? He was training. Trent was there, so that was that yeah. was a double boost. Given they both sort of limped off or at least gone off after a, after a bit of a whack. So that that that's a bonus, but yeah, in terms of the uh, the other midfield options, there's, there's still there's still some question marks around those three. I think Bajetic will be part of the squad at the weekend. Uh, Thiago and Curtis, I'm not so sure. And then you know other other bit of news, obviously Tyler Morton back back available and or back training. Um, after a long while out with that metatarsal, I think he stepped up this week and he's now. Not too far away from being cleared to sort of return to action, and I think there might be a chance for him to to get a low move between now and the end of the window um, if he can show no adverse reaction. Yeah, finger fingers crossed for him as well, and if he, fingers crossed we don't need to to sort of look that far into our depth if that makes sense with midfield. It just it almost seems such a shame with Curtis because oh. last season obviously plagued with injury problems, and then got back in, did so well, you know, real hopes for him this season as well. And yeah, fingers crossed it is a, a short one, we'll see. I mean August this not week August not kind to Curtis, is it? He's had problems. Nah. He had that sort of concussion that he got in the last friendly season before last. Then he had the, the obviously the, the long long term stress issue last last yeah. August and this season he's got a knock as well but hopefully it's not bad. I think yeah can obviously be asked about it on, on Friday, assuming he's not returned to training. Um, but yeah, I, I was told it was a, a rolled ankle and yeah, ballooned up and it's caused him a little bit of a discomfort. So hopefully it's just a, a couple of games and then he can start to look at coming back for the Villa game. Fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it's it's a tough listen. It's a tough place to go, St James's Park, because Aston Villa have found you know that even City last season it's it's always a a big atmosphere. And when when they're up for it, obviously they you know. They can put teams really under the cosh. They they've got seem to have got a good setup, and it's one of those. I know people are talking about, yeah, we won last season. Maybe there were specific circumstances, wasn't there, when Nick Pope was sent off as well? You know, the the things that are coming up on the horizon with the Carabao Cup at the time. Yeah. With this weekend, do you do you see a draw as actually that's not a bad result, or must you take a point now and move on type of thing, or do you think Liverpool should be looking for more? Yeah, good good question. I. I... I think it's um I think a point is a good result for Liverpool, I do. I think just not losing ground to rivals. Um do you wanna bear with me on this the dog barking in the background, by the way, he's uh, he disagrees. He disagrees on <laughs> that point. He wants all three. Um 
But yeah, I, I think I think a point's a fine result for Liverpool. Don't lose any ground on your rivals. None of them have really looked that good. Of the you know City, take City out of the equation and sort of let's just have them out on their own uh, at the top top end of the table. I don't think anyone else has looked that good so far this season. Obviously, Chelsea are dropping points. True. Um, Arsenal, you know, have won two games by the odd goal and not looked great in either of them, as far as I'm aware. Um, United obviously beaten and I'm really unconvinced in the game he did win. Tottenham, you know, look look like that they've improved, but they're still Tottenham. You know, they've still got that. They've still got Christian Romero playing games, and they've still got yeah. some October goals in the team and Richarlison and people like that. Um, and then obviously, yeah, you know, there's, there's Chelsea, who, who I thought got far too much praise for the draw against Liverpool. I, I, I heard Nigel Rio Coker, and don't want to call Nigel Rio Coker out, but I heard him. His observation from the opening weekend was that Chelsea are the real deal. And, I, you know, I was listening to it thinking, I don't know. Wow. I don't know anyone who could have watched that game against Liverpool and thought, oh, yeah, that's Chelsea. And I, to be honest, I heard Jamie Carragher sort of giving them a lot of praise for the way they've started the season. Um, and yeah. I watched them on Sunday and they were, they just looked the same old Chelsea. They they looked pretty in, in patches. They looked, you know, full of talented players, but generally they just didn't have didn't have any cutting edge and they they had a soft centre. And so I think if you're looking at the way that those teams have started it and the way Liverpool have started it, there's a chance to turn this into a pretty good start, getting two tough away games out the way and a and a and a home win. I don't think that's a bad bad return at all. I think five points from the start of the season, it's not, you know. You might say it's a lower in the standards or, you know, it's being a bit sort of cheap uh, in your expectations, but I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Yeah, I agree there. Like you say, especially going away to, to Chelsea and Newcastle and coming away on being, because those are two in any season you'd probably look at the moment and go, they're going to be tough. So, yeah, I think there's a there's a lot. Might be wrong, would take five points and move on. So we'll see come Super Sunday. And, this bit, you had no doubt, Neil, we were going to ask you, Grillian, I have no doubt people are pretty much with the transfer window having pretty much eight days left to go. It will be sort of constant all the way through. And you fully understand, you know, Liverpool fans' concerns, where we're sure. I mean, there's so many links and it seems to be the, the same players, doesn't it? Or even not links, just mentions. So, Graven Birch, but maybe, you know, Honigstein's put a bit of a, a downer on that, so to speak, that possibility. Decore, talk about the fee. Even the Andre situation seems to to revolve around now. We're suggesting today it's going to be January if it happens at all. Even, sounds like we've gone the full circle of life, but Turan, Kone, those types of names have come back on the agenda. I mean, with eight days to go, there seems to be almost a a party line might be the right way to describe it. The Liverpool are actively looking and, you know, even James Pearson mentioned in The Athletic that it wasn't a specialist six, it's that multifunctional midfielder that they're they're looking for. I mean, your gut, honestly, because time is ticking, do, do you think it's likely, do you get the feeling from what you're hearing that we are set to get at least one in, or are you thinking there's nothing really progressing in the short space of time? How are you, you know, you getting it at the moment? Yeah, no, I, th- I think Liverpool is definitely still looking for a player. I mean, Jürgen said it himself, didn't he? He said everything is possible between now and the end of the window. And I think he, he went on to say, we are, you know, we are looking at solutions. Um, whether they'll find them or not remains to be seen, but they need to. Let, let, let's, you know, let's, let's just get that 
straight out there, really. They, it would be a dereliction of duty of Liverpool carry on with the squad that they've got at the moment. Yeah. Um, think that they're going to achieve their ambitions this season. I thought Jürgen might say differently and say, oh, well, you're, you're underestimating this player and that player and Stefan Bajetic and Harvey Elliott and whatever. This squad's, what, two injuries away from being really stretched. If, I, you know, if, if, if there's an injury to any of the starting back four at the moment, there's a problem. If there's an injury to Endo, there's a problem. If there's, you know, I think, I, I don't think that that far off a problem up front, you know, if, if they were to lose a player or two in that regard. So there's, there's weaknesses in this squad clearly that need addressed. And I think Jürgen yeah, is well aware of that. You know, you look at the bench, they've still had, James McConnell on the bench at Stamford Bridge. They've had obviously Ben Dokes a little bit different, but he's been, you know, he's been on the bench in both games. They, they've had Bychetich on the on the bench at the weekend when he's probably not ready to come on. So there's still there's still gaps. And I think Liverpool would be very wise to be looking to sign one, if not two, players. I I I'd be looking to sign a, at least one more midfielder and I'd be looking to sign a, a versatile defender if I, if I possibly could. I'm not sure they'll they'll get both, but I think they need to have one of them at least between now and the end of the window. And I think I think midfield's probably the likelier the likelier of the two, given the the availability of targets, if you like, or the, the sort of the amount of targets that are that are out there and still, you know, potentially uh, you know, could be prized from clubs. You mentioned there Gravenberg, obviously that that depends on Bayern. You mentioned Andre, that depends probably on Fluminense. You've obviously got Decore. I probably wouldn't expect Liverpool to sign Decore at the moment. I wouldn't expect them to sign an Amrabat or a Calvin Phillips. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe you might see people like Toram or, or those kind of names, Kone, who were linked early in the summer, come back into the, the thinking. But I, they've got to do something. They can't, they can't wing it again. Liverpool, I don't think they they can't possibly look and, you know, they were going to spend over a, a British record transfer fee on a, on a player and, to go from that to sort of they're going to sign uh, with, with the greatest respect Lataro Endo and say that's our business done it's, it's not enough Yeah I think absolutely spot on and I know you'll have had this in in your comments and from various people but because certainly there was a 111 million bid for Caicedo there's it's not like we can talk about the normal lack of funds budget that type of thing you know the, the money's there so that there really doesn't seem to be a single excuse this time in that regard. And it's interesting because I know, I know you mentioned all of those midfielders, which is, which is right, everyone's keeping an eye on. And I know you'd written and talked about this. The defensive one is really kind of got everyone scratching their heads because I know you'd mentioned that ever since the start of the summer when, you know, when we had our sort of first chat with these, that Liverpool are almost looking for that young defender who can be almost fourth, fifth choice, so to speak, doesn't have to be an immediate starter but can work the way in if that's the right way to put it. But there just seems to be literally zero names on the horizon, never mind anything close or strong links like the midfield. I mean, is that pretty much it? Does it seem to have gone silent from your point of view on the defensive side? Yeah, I mean, the other the other thing we did say is obviously it would be Dependence on Joel Matip and or Joe Gomez, wouldn't it, in their future? And there's been nothing, there's been nothing around either of those two leaving. You know, I, I, I would have thought Matip would have been a candidate to leave this summer. Yeah. Probably not Gomez, given his, you know, his, his homegrown age, play right back. But Matip in particular, I, I would have thought Liverpool would have been looking to, to, to get on and, and, and change that option behind the, the, the first choice players. 
Um, but they haven't. And so, you know, I can understand Liverpool's point of view. They've got four centre backs, you know, in, in their minds. They've got, they've got four players who can play centre back and have played centre back at a high level in the Premier League. So it's not an urgent requirement to get one in while they're all fit. But I just look at, I look at pre-season. I, I thought pre-season rung a lot of alarm bells for me anyway. Or yeah. Rung a lot of alarm bells. You know, Joe Gomez barely played at centre back. Joel Matted, when he did, was poor. Um, and obviously, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't think Canate's been was incredible in pre-season. I think he, he, you know, he was hit and miss, but he's obviously the first choice. Um, and you are relying on him to stay fit now. So it's it's a difficult one. You know, if they brought in a centre back now, right now, they might not get on the bench at this moment in time. They might not, you know, they they might they might be they might literally be fifth choice to start with. And are Liverpool going to put themselves in the position where they've got five frontline centre-backs? Probably not. But if there was the perfect option out there, you know, someone who played left-back and centre-back or someone who played right-back and centre-back or someone who was just, you know, available now and was was sort of perfect for, for this system, I think, they, I think they'd, they'd look at it. But I don't see too many out there. I really don't. I mean, you know, you look at... A lot of people probably would have looked at Timber, wouldn't they, and said he might be one that could do that, but... I mean, yeah, he's had dreadful misfortune in, in his start of his Arsenal career. I think a few people might be looking at Mickey Van der Ven at Spurs the way he started and think, "Oh, yeah, you know, he might he might have suited Liverpool, but he's a left-sided centre back and Virgil Van Dijk plays there." People might have looked at Guardiola going to City, but I don't think Liverpool are going to spend eighty million, seventy million on, on him. So there's the field was narrowed straight away, wasn't it? You know, the the the, um, the obvious targets, if you like, just aren't aren't necessarily there like they are with midfielders. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. And even like you mentioned, the the defence, because there was a... A suspicion maybe with a few possibly to right to say that young Jarrell Quanta, could he even, you know, be the, the cover, the fifth choice or sixth choice, maybe however you want to put it with Endo. I mean, are we expecting in the short time almost uh, as much as people aren't going to like it, but talking about movement, is there a suspicion that it's almost going to be a, a lone rush, so to speak, the likes of Quanta, Bobby Clark, Tyler Morton, even like you said, even Luke Chambers, that, that type of thing. Is that... Is that what it's probably likely to expect now? Liverpool making a lot of loan moves out. Is that right? Well, yeah, I think the, I think there's a few that will need need a loan, you know, or will certainly come into the the thinking of, of a loan. And 
you know, not just them, there's a few others as well that, you know, probably less known around the first team picture, but, you know, Mateusz Musielowski possibly as well go, going out, maybe even permanently, you know, goalkeepers potentially behind behind the, the first three or four. You know, you've got, I think, Vít Jaros is still there, isn't he? I think potentially Fabian Brozjek. You could see you could see those one or both of those going out. Um I think Bobby Clark would benefit from it. I think he's um he's one of those that is probably well he is. I, I don't even think he's probably he's too good to be playing under twenty ones football for the whole season. Yeah. Even for the first part of it. I think he needs to go and test himself as as a first choice. Um and we'll see. See what you know how he how he handles that. I think it'd be good to see him in the championship. I think Tyler Morton's another one. I don't think it'd be fair to Expect him to go back from you know playing every week in the championship to coming out and being you know seventh, eighth, ninth choice midfield player for Liverpool and just playing for the twenty ones. So I think he's he's definitely one of those. I think Chambers, yeah, possibly. I think you know a big fan of his, and I, I think he's one of them that could could possibly save Liverpool a fair bit of hassle in the, in the next year or so. You know, if he can develop into a good versatile sort of left sided defender. That could be one that really helps Liverpool's squad planning. Um and Quancy, yeah, I mean I think, you know, I think he's done okay in preseason, Quancy. I think he, you know, he he yeah. certainly he certainly stood out in terms of looking like a centre back, didn't he? You know, he's big good size to him. He's got those raking diagonals, hasn't he? And he's physically, you know, quite imposing for a young player. Um, I'm not sure he'll get the chance to sort of play much first team football this season unless there's injuries. So I wouldn't be surprised if if Liverpool sent him to the Championship and said, you know, go and go and get some smarts to go with your your size and your your quality. You know, go and learn the game a little bit. I think that might be not be the worst thing for him. Uh, and then obviously there's another one we haven't really touched on is Conor Bradley, isn't it? You know, he's he's one that had a had a great loan last year. He's had an injury. Yeah, came at a pretty bad time um, when he just you know he made a positive start to preseason. <laughs> I think he'll. I think there would have been loan offers if he was if he's fifth. I don't actually know the situation with regards to his injuries, how long the prognosis is, but I would probably lean towards keeping him for the first half of the season and having him around the squad and you know playing him maybe in the Europa League group stage, early rounds of the Carabao Cup. Um, but he's another one, isn't he? That it'd be no surprise if there was a lot of interest in him given what he did at Bolton last year. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. Very much so. It's. With a with a week left or so, it does get the feeling that it, it will be more well, highly likely there'll be more sort of like loans out than anything in. But I did want to ask you, and, and I'm not sort of asking you to sort of nail it to, to the cross in this regard, but from what you sort of heard, you know, what, what you expressed there, does your gut tell you it's probably one or nothing, as in one midfielder probably that's where the smart money is for this at the moment? Uh, yeah, I think Liverpool buy another player. Yeah, or bring another player in, should I say? Um, for the reason as I, I stated earlier, obviously I, they have they, they have to. You know, they, they've let they've let so many names bodies go. They haven't they haven't even come close to replacing them in terms of numbers. You know, six was it six first team players? Um, yeah, last season gone three in. I know. Oh, okay. Yeah, Bajetic is is a you know a great addition. And and you can you can ink him back in as a, a, an unexpected addition to the squad, but that's that's still you're still down a net two, you know. I mean, a net three if you want to include Arthur, but probably probably fair not to give him one. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I just think in terms of Liverpool, Liverpool were caught short last season when they had all those players. They're going to get caught short again this season without them 
for for almost almost certain. So I think they have to they have to bring in another player at least, and I think it would be, I think they will. I think they'll bring in a midfielder. Um, I wouldn't be amazed if it's Gravenberg at all. I think there's still some chances of of Bayern softening their stance. I think there's a desire from the player to 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 try and get out and get playing, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was Liverpool who, who made the move. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. And like you, you kind of mentioned it a while ago, it will be interesting. I have absolutely zero doubt it's probably going to be one of the the early questions to Jurgen Klopp in the, the press conference come Friday as well. So it will be interesting to see what his reaction is in that regard. The the final question I, I did want to ask you as well. I mean, I know where you, you guys sit in the, the press box, it is the, the main stand. I don't know if you'd see the, the clip at all from... Around Jurgen Klopp, obviously everyone's singing his song and the what's the I don't know the less than favourable reaction to to that yeah. one. I mean, what did you make to that sort of reaction from the boss in that regard? Yeah, I, did, I didn't see it at the time. I saw the clip. Um, you know, I actually saw just a headline on this is Anfield saying fans react to Jurgen Klopp's criticism or something or what something along those lines. And I was like, what? What? And then. Looked at it and saw the clip. You know, obviously, it's unmistakably him, isn't it? You know, in in terms of his voice on on. Yeah, I mean, he's done it before. I've seen him. I've seen him do it before. With you know, you've gone too early, haven't you? That's the sort of the feeling that he has that that he sees it as like a celebratory um, thing or a, a complacent, you know, an, an air of complacency. I, I don't really understand. I don't really understand his his logic behind it. You know, I I, I don't think. I never ever got the impression last uh, on Saturday that anyone thought the game was won or that Liverpool was sort of you know all of a sudden were back to their best and were, were sort yeah. of, um you know going to steamroll the teams. It was just it was just a you know I think fans were just quite happy to have a win to, to, to sort of you know to get behind and a sort of a bit of a a, a bit of good mood and I yeah. I, I I wouldn't. Um, I'm on. I'm on the fan side rather than Jürgen's on this one. I I I don't really understand his um his problem with it. You know, he's he's been pretty consistent with it at least. But I don't think there's anything wrong with fans trying to show their appreciation for the manager in the, in the first home game of the season. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Yeah, not at all. Especially when there's been talk before historically, and even he's mentioned it in regards to to the atmosphere and certain things. And, so and, yeah, and you know what? As well, he, he, you know, he was he was very happy, wasn't he? To um to use that song when he signed his contract, wasn't he? he, he True. Reference to it when he, you know, he, I'm so glad or I'm still a red or something he said, didn't he? You know, there was, there was definitely some sort of nod towards that, that particular chance. So yeah, it's not a, it's not something that's always upset him, is it? You know, hearing that song. So why would it upset him now? I don't, I don't really understand. Yeah, true. If we're uh... If we're two goals up or two goals to the good every time it comes out at Anfield, we will not be too upset by any means. Right. So. If, he, if he hears it, he'll do well to hear it from the away end at Newcastle. But if he hears it on Sunday, I think he'd I think he'd shake hands on that right now. If he, if if someone could say <laughs> ten minutes to go at St James's, you'll hear the Leasers end singing there, uh, or the, the upper tier of the Leasers end singing. I'm so glad that Jürgen's are rather think he'll have known the day's gone pretty well. Yeah, no doubts about it. And I will be there on Sunday climbing the 8 million steps and fingers crossed it will be to, well, I'd take a draw, but three points. But all it leaves me to say is thanks very much as usual, Neil. Plenty of info, plenty of insight. So it is greatly appreciated. No problem at all, mate. Anytime. Good stuff. And fingers crossed, next time we're catching up, there will be a sign-in, maybe to a push to talk about, but... 
beggars can't be choosers and all that. But that, ladies and gents, is another Media Matters for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.